0: I am Laura Ellsworth welcoming you to the Prairie Dock radio program. I'm filling in today for Joan Hogan, and we're going to spend some time talking about the medical topics of interest to you. Uh, So if you have questions today, give us a call at 692 1430. 692-1430. And with us today is Dr. Jill Cruz. Dr. Cruz's specialty is family medicine and she practices with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and the Brookings Health System. Good morning, Dr. Cruz. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Uh, We're grateful to have you serving as one of the doctors committed to continuing the mission of the Healing Words Foundation and the Prairie Doc Program's Thanks for all that you do for this organization and um, helping us get accurate medical information into out into the public. Um, I'd like to take a moment to update all of our listeners on our Prairie Doc programming this week. Hopefully, you'll have a chance to read Dr. Holmes' essay in one of more than 100 newspapers throughout the region, or you will find it on the Prairie Doc website. His essay this week talks about the very important topic of suicide and depression. And as Dr. Holm writes in his essay, we know that talking about suicide is probably our most important way of helping someone who might be considering suicide. So it's important. It's an important topic to talk about, and you can read all about that in his essay this week. And again, this week, the Prairie Doc will not be on television due to South Dakota Public Broadcasting fundraising events. However, we will stream an encore show on our Facebook page. Uh, the show is called A Conversation About Suicide and, Depre- and Depression. So join us on the Prairie Doc Facebook page Thursday night to view that show. Also, I'd like to mention that you will find all of our Prairie Doc radio shows on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. So if you ever miss an episode or want to share one with your family and friends, this show is also available as a podcast. Well, Dr. Cruz, we have a lot going on out there in the medical world, and um, all of us are talking about and thinking about the coronavirus.
1: Yes, I think a lot has changed in the last twenty four hours. Um, you know, definitely we had a medical staff meeting yesterday morning and kinda of what we were talking about yesterday morning mm-hmm. was very different by kind of what we were talking about that evening where it was yeah, in the morning it was just a theoretical what what are we going to do when it happens and mm-hmm. when we get coronavirus in South Dakota and then by the evening it's it's here. Now mm-hmm. is this gonna change any of our plans? So it it's uh definitely uh and evolving and changing, and I think um, information is going to update and uh, change kind of day by day as we're affected by this here now in South Dakota.
0: Yes. So, yeah, yesterday we had the first confirmed Some cases, cases of coronavirus here in South Dakota. Um, we Could you tell us a little bit about what someone should do if here in South Dakota you are? Um, experiencing symptoms or you're concerned you may have coronavirus, what should you do?
1: So if you are concerned that you may have symptoms, stay home. Okay. Do not expose anyone else. I would say try to self-quarantine and call your doctor's office. Call us and try to get guidance on what you should do or, or if, you know, we think you should come in. Right now, the only way to get testing for this is for the physician's office to get permission from the South Dakota Department of Health. Okay, So we cannot run the lab in the clinic. These are sent to the state health department, and the labs are run there. It's taking about two days to get results back from them, but we can't test unless they give us the okay because we have a limited number of swabs to do the test, and um, they want to make sure that they're using those swabs appropriately for someone who is at high risk. And the problem is the symptoms of coronavirus kind of overlap with a lot of other viral illnesses, you know, fevers, cough, uh, and shortness of breath. You can have that with so many different things. So since it's um, a new virus with a lot of overlapping symptoms, you know, are we going to test every single person who comes into the clinic that says they have a cough, shortness of breath, and a fever? One, uh, every time we test someone, we have to close that exam room off until we get results back from the state Mm -hmm. so if we tested everyone that had those symptoms we won't have any exam rooms Mm -hmm. within a day easily Mm -hmm. um two 80 percent of coronaviruses are very mild cases that can be just treated at home with self-care so again um there's there's no antiviral unless you're in, in the hospital for basically compassionate use like we think it's this or nothing else Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. so there's really no treatment aside from what you would do at home, you know, treat the fever, treat the symptoms. So there's not like you're going to get a prescription or a medication if you come to the clinic. We're we're not going to change that. We're going to tell you to go home, close the door and- try to limit exposure to other people as much as possible okay so um, we are going to go ahead and take our first break
0: Um, but if you have questions regarding the coronavirus now that it's here in South Dakota or um, other questions um, that you'd like to have Dr. Cruz address this morning um, I'd encourage you to give us a call at
2: 605-692-1430 By living a healthy lifestyle, you can lower your risk for heart disease and heart attack. A healthy lifestyle includes the following. Eating a healthy diet, maintaining a healthy weight, getting enough physical activity, not smoking or using other forms of tobacco, and limiting alcohol use. All the providers at the Avera Medical Group Brookings hope you will follow these guidelines. For more information on a healthy heart, speak with your provider at 697-9500.
0: Welcome back to the Prairie Doc Radio Program. I am Laura Ellsworth filling in for Joan Hogan. Dr. Cruz is here with me. Uh, in the studio and before our break we were talking about coronavirus so we're gonna spend a little more time talking about that so Dr. Cruz you were saying that if someone in if someone in South Dakota wherever you are if you are experiencing symptoms that you're concerned about the first step is to call your healthcare provider call that clinic Mm -hmm. and talk um, to whoever answers the phone they'll be prepared to chat with you And it sounds like so that's so the clinic is prepared if you do arrive. Right. So that we're not spreading coronavirus. Exactly.
1: Because you don't want to spread that to, you know, because we have babies that are coming in for well child checks and vaccines. Mm -hmm. We have patients that have chemotherapy that they're coming to the clinic for. uh, Someone that just came in and sprained their ankle. You don't want to give coronavirus to them while you're sitting in the waiting room with them. So um, call first. Okay. And then we can prepare and, and get ready for your arrival, make sure that we have all the personal protective equipment. Because if we get exposed to someone who is positive for coronavirus, we're placed on mandatory quarantine for two weeks ourselves to make sure that we're not spreading it to the next 30 people we see. Mm -hmm. So they're taking this very seriously about trying to prevent the spread. Um, The Department of Health does have a uh, public COVID hotline you can call. Uh, It's 1-800-997-2880. So I would definitely um, call them if you have any questions or concerns. Again, call your clinic, um, and they will say if we feel like it's appropriate for you to come in and be tested. Or, like I said, most cases, we recommend that you stay at, if you are concerned and think you may have it, stay at home unless you are getting worse and need to get medical treatment. Mm -hmm. Because, again, we're going to tell you to go home and... Stay safe and try not to spread it to anybody else.
0: Let's talk a little bit about masks. People are wondering should they be wearing masks? Mm -hmm. Um, How are they helping? Are healthcare providers wearing masks? Tell us a little bit about who the masks are for and who they help.
1: So, if someone has coronavirus, we want them to wear a mask if you're uh, coming into the clinic. As soon as you come into the clinic with any symptoms, fever, cough, shortness of breath, put on a mask as soon as you get into the clinic. And that's basically to protect you from spreading it because it spreads through aerosol droplets, it spreads through coughing, and then if that cough, those droplets land on surfaces, then it can be spread from those surfaces to other people via touching. Mm-hmm. So if you are sick, you need to wear a mask. If you are not sick, wearing a mask really is not recommended by the CDC at this point as a means of prevention. Um, the masks that the physicians and um, PAs, nurse practitioners, and nurses that are going into the rooms to see these patients are our special N95 masks, or um, or what are called PAPRs, uh, kind of hood masks, and those are have to be fit tested for you. You can't just buy one off the shelf and and well, I think I'm a small, I, so they are sized and they're okay. sized and fit for your face. You have to be fit for a specific brand of mask, and then that's the mask that you wear. So again, a small in from one company may not fit as well as a small from a different company so you can't just say yep I'm a small n95 mask and buy it off Amazon one they're probably out of stock Two, you don't know what size you need and if you don't have the correct size it's not beneficial
0: what if you are a caretaker at home if if your spouse has if you're concerned about your spouse's symptoms or things like that what do you recommend if
1: you are caring for someone who is Uh, has coronavirus or suspected of having coronavirus yes definitely wear a mask but again you're trying to limit your contact with them and close contact is within six feet okay so um, people that are taking care of quarantine people are literally leaving meals at the door you know knocking you know stepping away and then letting that person open the door and take it and trying to have as minimal contact if you're suspected of having coronavirus we are even saying, CDC is saying, don't take care of your pets. Don't let your pets in contact with you.
0: Interesting. I hadn't yes. heard that. Okay. Yep. Mhm.
1: So that that's kind of a new recommendation coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, because coronavirus, we know, came from animals. Mm-hmm. So we're not sure if we can give it to our dog or our cat. But mm-hmm. again, until we know, since this is a new virus, we don't know a lot about it. So we're taking precautions. Mm-hmm. And it's for those you know, 20% of cases that are very very severe and life-threatening so it's it's scary because it can go anywhere from a mild cold to no symptoms to in the ventilator dead within two weeks so mm-hmm. it has such a wide range like I said thankfully we're seeing about most of them have been mild but when it's bad it's it gets very bad very quickly
0: and remind us again the symptoms are cough, cough yep, and fever, a fever
1: and shortness of breath
0: Okay, so if you're experiencing those symptoms, mm-hmm. that's when it's time to make a phone call. Yes, um, to and make more. a
1: call, phone call first.
0: Yes, yes, don't yes. just show up at the so clinic. Don't,
1: please just don't <laughs> okay. show up at the clinic because All right. um, we may end up, yes, inadvertently contaminating more areas and then we won't be able to take care of anyone.
0: Right, and um, you mentioned a little bit about some individuals being higher at risk. Could you mm-hmm. remind our all of My us listeners. again of who so that is?
1: anyone who has heart and lung disease is at higher risk, and people over the age of 60 are considered um, higher risk and uh, having problems. Uh, with this, it, people have been ending up in the hospital in pneumonia, and a lot of people, they're not dying of pneumonia. They're dying of um, their heart-stopping beating. Mm. Okay. So they're, they're going into basically flatline, asystole. Their heart just... Stops. Okay, so that's that's scary.
0: Yeah, so one way to protect ourselves we're hearing about is social distancing. Yes. So you mentioned the six feet. Six feet, feet rule. Yeah. Yes. Um, what? Tell us a little bit more about social dis- distancing and what we can do to protect ourselves in that way.
1: At this point, so I would say you know trying to maintain distance when you're out shopping. You know, try not to be chatting with someone. You know. It, in close proximity when you're at the grocery store, again cleaning off uh, surfaces that you could be touching because again this can be passed from touching surfaces. Uh, So you know baby wipes work, sanitizer wipes work, basically it's the um, mechanical like rubbing the surface so it doesn't have to be a you know a Lysol disinfecting wipe or spray those work yes but Mm -hmm. even just a baby wipe or spray down with a dilute uh, bleach solution and rub hard it's the mechanical friction that helps get rid of that virus and keeps the area safe so wash your hands wash your hands wash your hands Mm -hmm. and for the the 20 seconds you know sing a favorite uh, verse of your favorite song to get through Mm -hmm. and wash your hands that long um I think the best uh, description I saw was, wash your hands like you just cut, cut up some jalapenos, and now you need to put your contacts in.
0: Yeah, so There you go. If
1: you would feel comfortable putting contacts in after washing jalapenos, you probably washed your hands clean enough.
0: There you go. That's, that's good advice. And don't touch our faces, Try right? not to
1: touch your face, yes. Try to limit, because that's, again, how it spreads through hands to mucous membranes. So noses, mouths, no. Nope. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, well it's time for us to take our next break. Uh,
0: We do have a couple questions that have come in, but if you have a question, um, give us a call at 605-692-1430 and we'll be happy to discuss those
2: um, medical issues of interest to you. The American Academy of Pediatrics has issued media guidelines for preschoolers that are helpful for parents and grandparents. Under the age of two, media should be very limited and only used when adults are standing by to co-view, talk, and teach. For example, video chatting with family along with their parents. For children 18 to 24 months, if you want to introduce digital media, choose high-quality programming And use media together with your child. For children aged 2 to 5, limit screen time to no more than one hour per day. Find other activities for your children to do that are healthy for their bodies and mind. Choose media that is interactive, nonviolent, educational, and pro-social. If you have questions about social media for children, speak with your primary care provider at the Avera Medical Group, Brookings, 697-9500. Welcome back to the Prairie Dock radio program.
0: I am Laura Ellsworth, filling in for Joan Hogan. Dr. Cruz is here in the studio with us, and we've been talking all things coronavirus. Um, and we'll be talking about that some more. If you have other questions, give us a call at 605-692-1430. We did have a couple questions come in. The first is, what is the lifespan of the coronavirus? Hours, days, weeks, months? What do we know about the lifespan of a coronavirus? So coronavirus?
1: Uh, I think there's kind of two different questions in this. And one is how long between getting exposed to it before you start showing symptoms. That's what's called the incubation period. And the incubation period appears to be anywhere between two days and 14 days after someone's exposed. So if you were around someone and you haven't had any issues within 14 days, you can pretty much say you're in the clear. Now, how long after someone coughs on a surface and the coronavirus is now on that surface, is it um, still alive? We're still figuring that out. It could be anywhere between four hours and two days, and that's Mm why we're erring on the side of caution of any room suspected to be contaminated of coronavirus in the clinic. We're closing that room for two days Mm -hmm. until we let our cleaning staff in there. Because again, we want to protect them. Mm-hmm. Uh, because again, they would have to fully um, gown and don all this protective equipment to go in there and clean. And every surface has to be cleaned, top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, uh, I'm on some Facebook groups with uh, medical professionals and there was one posted by someone out in Seattle mm-hmm. and was talking about how they're just overwhelmed trying to clean rooms mm-hmm. and, and get rooms turned over so they can see the next person and i think that's going to be our big bottleneck and why we're telling people to call first because it won't take many people before all the rooms in the clinic would be unusable
0: sure okay gotcha and then another question um how do we know when it's ended what are the indications that it's gone from a person that a person is healthy and not spreading it
1: cdc is still working on that okay So, and I think that's why they're saying the two weeks, um, I wish I could say it was when the fever goes away, but it it sounds like you're having fever consistently for about three days and then intermittently for three days. Mm -hmm. Um, People are most contagious when they're most symptomatic. So we do know that. But we're saying, again, two weeks to be safe Mm -hmm. at this point. Uh, Again, it's a new virus. We are still learning how it acts and what to expect from it. So these are all very good questions that we unfortunately don't have the answer to, and that's why it's concerning Mm -hmm. to everyone and why we're trying to do everything we can to be as um, cautious as we can and prudent as we can to prevent it from spreading to people. Mm -hmm. Because I said... For most people, it's just going to be a mild illness they can treat at home, but when it's bad, it's devastating. Mm -hmm. So um, we don't want to risk exposure and have you be in that bad part where you end up in the hospital on the ventilator, potentially dying without um, Mm -hmm. trying to do everything we can to prevent the spread.
0: Right. Uh, Another question that came in, what should we be using to clean surfaces um, oh, and, and this is specifically in porta potties to ward off the coronavirus. So, what should we be using maybe in general in to general? clean surfaces and then maybe specifically for things like um, toilets and bathrooms? And this yep. question was for porta
1: potties. That is a very good question. Let me pull up CDC's official site because it did talk about this. So, again, washing hands is the big thing, other steps staying home, covering coughs and sneezes. It's cleaning and disinfecting. So it says um, most common EPA-registered household disinfectants will work. Okay. So, But it said you could dilute household bleach five tablespoons per gallon of water or four teaspoons per quart of water. You can do uh, alcohol solutions. That is at least 70% alcohol. And um, let's see. Let's click this link. EPA-approved. Cleaners for pathogens. So let's see. There is stuff I have never heard on here. Oh, but here's (laughs) stuff I have heard of: Clorox disinfecting bleach, Clorox multi-surface cleaner, um, Lysol brand heavy duty. Um, Yeah, basically, if it has Clorox in the name, it's from this list is looking very good. Sure.
0: And so you're on the CDC website, is that right?
1: Website. So Clorox and Lysol are all. Um, Purell, again, disinfecting wipes. So those are the Santa Claus and disposable wipes, which is what we use at the clinic.
0: So if you're a listener and you want to kind of review what you might already have at home to see if that's on the list or if you need to go purchase something, you can see that list on the CDC website. CDC
1: website has a link to it. It's seven pages long, so I'm not going to read all seven (laughs) pages of of cleaners. But Clorox and Lysol and Purell, if it has that in the name, you're probably good. You're on the right track. Okay. Mm -hmm. Very good. Thanks for the question. Um,
0: Excellent. Let's talk a little bit about fear um there's I mean we're talking about coronavirus. Everyone's talking about coronavirus, so there is some fear out there. What are your what are your thoughts on that, Dr. Cruz?
1: I think we need to be prudent. It it is hard to know. When I'm thinking about this, I'm kind of reminded of stories my parents told me about growing up in the 50s when the polio outbreak was going on and they were closing schools and swimming pools and you were afraid to go to your friend's house. This is feeling very similar to that again mm-hmm. because there's there's no treatment, um, there's really no prevention because there's no vaccine for it, and it's spread through aerosol droplets. So, I would say um, anyone in my parents' generation or older is probably saying, "Yeah, we've been through a similar situation to this." Uh, so I understand. Yes, I'm I'm concerned, but not panicking mm-hmm. so again as long as you you know wash your hands use common sense and if people stay home when they're sick because i think we have such a culture of well i'm not that bad i can tough it through mm-hmm. this is not a situation where you want to just tough through an illness and i know a lot of workplaces will say you know well if you don't come in with the doctor's note, you'll lose points or you could get fired and i think employers are going to have to change their policies or make exceptions at this time because Mm -hmm. again, we can't have everyone coming in to be tested or to come in and be seen at the clinic for every cough, fever, sore throat. You know, at this point, if you have symptoms, we need to keep people at home and not spreading it to others. So um, I I see where people are, are concerned and scared and uh i just think we need to be realize that the majority of these are mild illnesses but again we it seems like it's spreading very quickly and easily and we're just watching it spread worldwide mm-hmm. so the more we can do to help prevent the spread to others the better we'll be doing
0: mhm very good
1: all right. Well, anything else
0: related to coronavirus that we've we've covered a lot here? Oh, boy. <laughs> anything um, else that you wanted to
1: mention before we move on? I would say go to reputable sources. Mm-hmm. Um, the CDC, the Department of Public Health, the World Health Organization all have websites and information about coronavirus. Um, this is going to be changing, and what I say today may find out to be completely wrong tomorrow, so mm-hmm. um, don't rely on information that's... week or two old because again what we're learning about this virus is changing rapidly and its spread is equally rapid Mm -hmm. so um, try to stay up to date on on what's going on because we may change our recommendations for things and um, at the clinic we said we're taking this literally day by day there's gonna be you know emails and updates on what we should be doing we're all learning this along with you guys Mm -hmm. so it's all new please be patient and wear a mask and if you're sick stay home unless you need medical care. Very
0: good. All right. Well, it's time for us to take our final break. Um, and thank you to very Medical Groups for supporting this program.
2: Millions of people in the United States are not getting screened for colorectal cancer as recommended. They are missing the chance to prevent colorectal cancer or to find it early when treatment often leads to a cure. The vast majority of new cases of colorectal cancer, about 90%, occur in people who are 50 or older. The U.S. Preventative Services Task Force recommends screening beginning at age 50. If you think you may be at increased risk for colorectal cancer, learn your family history and ask your doctor if you should begin screening before age 50. Talk with your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500. Um, Welcome back to the
0: Prairie Doc radio program. I am Laura Ellsworth filling in for Joan Hogan. Dr. Cruz is here with me today and we've been discussing coronavirus today. Um, Lots to talk about with that. It's on everyone's minds. Um, uh, A question that we just had now, so if someone is hospitalized, what 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 is done for them? What is done
1: for them? What what we call supportive care. We make sure that their oxygen level is good. If they need to be on a ventilator, they're on a ventilator. And we help breathe for them, Uh, monitor their vital signs, give medications for pain, give medications for fever, fluids. And that's it. There's an experimental drug that's being used in some places uh, that was initially developed for Ebola virus. Uh, But, again, there's a very limited supply. And, again, you have to get approval to use it if... I don't even know the nearest place that would have it, honestly, um, because it's not FDA approved. Mm -hmm. So it has to be used on an individual case-by-case compassionate care. We think this person will die if we don't try this Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. situation, so it's not commonly used. So, again, it's supportive care, Mm -hmm. which means we, we support them and their vital signs and try to keep them as comfortable and healthy as possible, but there's nothing we can do to fight the virus aside from letting the body do it and and letting time take its course. Mm -hmm. Very good. Well, thank you for keeping
0: us up to date. Thank you to um, all the physicians and all of the providers at the clinics and the hospitals for digging deep to learn more about this and always being willing to do what they can to help all of us patients um, out there and keep us healthy. Um, so I want to remind our listeners that this week you can find uh, the Prairie Doc on Facebook. We will not be on television this week because of the STPB fundraising events. And the, the topic this week is regarding suicide and depression. And so I just want to touch on that real quick, um, Dr. Cruz, again, um, what, what when we look at those issues, um, what can we do to help prevent suicide?
1: Well, I would say uh, try to get rid of the stigma around it and actually talk about it. A lot of times people think, well, if I ask someone if they're thinking about suicide, I'm going to plant the seed and then they'll do it. No, that, th- we've done studies. We found that that's not true. So um, talk to it, people and ask them, you know, and don't be afraid to get help. There is a National Suicide Prevention uh, Hotline uh, 1-800-273-TALK that's 8255 and that is a 24-7 toll free hotline for anyone with suicidal thoughts or emotional distress um, It that phone number is nationwide but it routes you to the nearest crisis center and then they will help you get the help you need and get you to the right place mm-hmm. um, to get the resources you need to take care of yourself or any loved one that you have concerns about
0: yeah, that number is a great resource. 1-800-273-TALK mm-hmm. or 1-800-273-8255. And um if you if you're struggling with thoughts of suicide, we really encourage you to call that number um and and express your concerns and they are ready to to talk with mm-hmm. you. So, Yep.
1: And they also have a website, uh, suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Yes. so definitely um look into those um, resources.
0: Yes. I recently had someone asking me about, um, you know, sometimes perhaps an individual doesn't even recognize or realize they are depressed. So how do you, how do physicians even get to that diagnosis? And I was recalling when I go in to see the my provider, I usually have to fill out kind of a survey, yeah. like an assessment bef- regarding all types of topics, including if I'm having thoughts of suicide. Is that right? Is yeah. that on there? We, yes. we do
1: do a depression screen on every patient yearly. Okay. So that at least once a year, we have to do a, a screen in the clinic uh, to make sure that we're not missing these episodes because sometimes a person doesn't want to bring it up or doesn't want to talk about it. So we do this screen and then that can open the door to say, hey, um, I, I'm concerned about some of the results we have here, let's talk about this more.
0: And what are some of those things you that catch your eye um, from the screening um, when, it, when is there a certain, when um, you're like, oh, I better address this I with this patient? I better address
1: this, uh, definitely if they're having thoughts of suicide, if they're having low energy, if they're feeling down, feeling worthless, feeling hopeless, uh, sleeping too much, not sleeping enough. I mean, there's a lot of the, there's about uh, nine questions on there and we kind of look at all of those okay. together.
0: Well, that's another important topic suicide and depression, and um, we'll dive into that more in the future. And um, you can do that yourself on our Prairie Doc website. So, we hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and will listen again for Prairie Doc brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube for free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library. As always, you can see and hear more from the Prairie Doc online at prairiedoc.org. Thank you, Dr. Cruz, for being here today. And that's all until next week. As Dr. Holm would say, stay healthy out there, people.